Hello to you and welcome to the weekend edition of Coin Market Recap for the 28th and 29th of May. I'm Connor Sefton and on today's show we've got all the highlights from the second and final day of Coin Market Cap's first ever conference in the metaverse. This will be our last episode for a week and we'll be back on June the 6th. Sorry we're having two breaks so close together. Coming up, CMC's CEO Rush reveals some exciting new features, including a one-stop shop where crypto projects can engage with users. Camila Russo tells us what it's like funding a film with non-fungible tokens. We'll find out some top tips for newcomers to the NFT market, and experts reveal why they still believe there are huge opportunities despite the sell-offs we're seeing right now. Plus, we'll bring you the best bits from a fascinating panel on the metaverse as top businesses in the space reveal what they're working on and they reveal why virtual worlds have a challenging few years ahead. And most consumers have heard of Bitcoin, but only a small fraction of them actually own it. So what will it take for cryptocurrencies to go mainstream? I asked a panel of experts for their opinion. Give our show a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Connor Sefton. Coin Market Recap. Friday was the second and final day of CoinMarketCap's first ever conference in the metaverse. NFTs and Web3 dominated the discussion, and we kicked off proceedings with a special announcement from Rush, our CEO. He said most consumers find out about cryptocurrencies through Google, and CMC has a big responsibility as it appears prominently in search results. Rush wants CMC to offer more than statistics about market caps and trading pairs and deliver as much information as possible to help investors make the right choices for them. And to do that, CoinMarketCap is launching a new platform. This is where our future um, vision for CMC comes in. Gravity. Gravity is the social network for crypto. Gravity is the one-stop shop for crypto projects to engage with their users. Crypto projects can now post their updates on Gravity, just like what they do on Twitter. They can also post long-form articles, project announcements, or token economics, like what they do on Medium. They can also initiate governance proposals on Gravity. Users can also have real-time discussions on our discussion boards, just like what they do on uh, on Telegram or on on Discord. And there are many, many other crypto-native, crypto-specific features to be unlocked quite soon. Projects teams will be enabled to do all what's needed to engage with users without forcing them to switch to other platforms. Rush said feedback from early birds who tested out Gravity had been positive, and they believe the social network could become the most efficient way for acquiring new users and engaging with them too. And he revealed that more crypto-specific features are in the pipeline. No one should be getting lost trying to find information about crypto. And that's why here at CMC, we will continue to try our best to think of you know the best ways to keep giving you all out there 
exactly what you're looking for in crypto. We're truly the information hub of the crypto world, and we're excited to keep growing each year, highlighting the cryptocurrency revolutions. Rush set the tone here by talking about adoption and making it easier for people who are interested in crypto to get involved. Several of the panels focused on taking digital assets and blockchain mainstream. But here's the thing, while many consumers know about Bitcoin, they're still not confident enough to own it. Sami Karim from BNB Chain explained some of the roadblocks that the industry needs to overcome. There's a number of challenges here. One is like, if you look at total number of developers in crypto today as a subset of the total number of develop, like web developers or whatever globally, it's still tight. So like huge amount of work to do still in terms of driving de developer adoption. Uh, number two is like around user adoption. So user adoption, like there's a lot of challenges on the infrastructure side, for sure. Like all of the people here today are doing awesome work around improving like infrastructure that can really scale to support tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and then eventually like larger number of users. But even there, like we're kind of at the early stages of that journey, like it's moving fast and, and, and for sure, like there's a lot of great progress happening. But at the end of the day, we're still like kind of at, the, at the beginning stages of that journey. Other parts is like user experience. Like I, I will like try to describe it like the grandmother problem. Like, um, and not being ageist or anything like that. But like, if I think about my grandmother, uh, like she can send me messages on Facebook all the time. Like no problem for her to like send me a happy birthday or ask me to do this or whatever. But like, if I have to think about her having to like receive an NFT or like set up a MetaMask, like no way she's going to ever do it. She's just going to tell mm -hmm. me to do that. So like the user experience is pretty terrible today. That's quite a neat explanation. There aren't enough developers. User experience isn't always great. The infrastructure needs work and it's too technical for many consumers to get their heads around. Well, our very own Molly Jane headed up a fascinating discussion on how NFTs are helping creators achieve new things. The Defiance Camila Russo revealed how she's using NFTs to finance a movie based on her book, The Infinite Machine, which documents the early days of Ethereum. And so far, she says it's been an amazing experience. The, the goal for The Infinite Machine movie is to make a, a, a major kind of blockbuster Hollywood type of film, like a dramatized version of the Ethereum story. Um, it's being produced by Versus Entertainment, uh, a Spain-based production company, and Scott Free, which is Ridley Scott's uh, production company. Uh, so the idea is to hopefully like make it to the mainstream uh, with uh, the Ethereum story and um, why kind of NFTs. Uh, so I'm involved in, in, in production and, and that kind of allowed me to have a say in how this movie is being uh, funded. Camila said funding a film through NFTs allows everything in the production process to be done differently. Uh, usually kind of you, you finance a movie, you write the script, uh, the shooting starts, and there's like this whole kind of multi-year process before the movie is actually live and, and there's an audience after that. With NFTs, you start building a community and an audience before that whole process uh, starts. Uh, so that's kind of what uh, we, we've been doing and kind of uh, it allows you to kind of... Um, 
bring the audience into the production itself. She believes this creates a more interested, engaged and committed audience. And those who own the NFTs get some pretty cool perks as well. NFTs allow, allow uh, the film to be financed with its audience. Um, and they're also kind of access passes to different aspects of production. So um, the idea is that NFT holders become part of a DAO and the DAO has a, a role as an executive producer in the film. So people are actually kind of have a, a say, a real say on how the movie get, gets made. Um, and there's like different perks to the NFTs, like uh, uh, some NFTs carry the the ability of being an extra in the movie, um, of getting kind of named in the credits, uh, of being invited to sh to one of the shooting locations and to um, be a part of the uh, like movie premiere. So it's like these NFTs, besides being kind of um, a, a, like giving you the ability of being an executive producer, they're also kind of these like backstage passes uh, to the movie itself. Molly Jane had a great question concerning a potential problem with these types of NFTs. And Zach Burks from Mintable explained how technology is changing to make them more practical. Um, this is something that I've always had trouble understanding. If an NFT gives you access, you know, to join a, be an extra in a movie, to do a meet and greet with someone, NFTs are inherently, for the most part, tradable. So once you trade that NFT or it's bought and it's sold, how do you deal with that sort of attached real world thing that's going on? I feel like that's, that seems like just like a huge roadblock for me. Do you guys have... Can I, can I talk yeah. on that, Molly? Because sure. we're, building, we're building a solution to this technology, right? Because it's for enterprise clients, so brands. We've got three publicly listed companies with over 50 million users that are using our platform right now. And they have access to NFTs through this. And when we built this, we built this for like McDonald's, for like Taco Bell, for Burger King. How could you have an NFT that's a coupon that you want millions of them that they come in a kid's mill, but don't cost five times the kid's mill? And then how do you have this utility to it? And so what we've actually built from a technical standpoint is, first off, to answer your question is they're tradable. And so how do you have something that's tradable also give you access? Because once you redeem it, then what? Like if someone trades exactly. it, they're going to redeem it again. Um, so the first solution to that is editable metadata. So if you go look at like a okay. board ape, the metadata is not editable, right? It's on IPFS. Um, but you see this all the time with projects where they will still point to a placeholder before the reveal. And then they edit the metadata once it's revealed to have the actual attributes and then it's permanent. So you can do the same thing with the company. So Starbucks or let's go to McDonald's actually. So McDonald's gives you a kid's meal NFT. Um, you get home, you get this NFT. It's a free NFT. And it says, oh, you get a free kid's meal. So when you go to McDonald's the next time, when you enter a code, their POS system, right, their point of sale system is going to call the R API essentially. And it's going to say, hey, this NFT is one, is it valid? Is it owned by who it says it's owned by? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. Let's redeem it. And then let's change it to, you know, it's got a little thing that says redeemed on it. Maybe it's no longer transferable based off the smart contract. Um, there's a lot of different functionalities that you can build into a system like this, but that's an important aspect of course, the bear market means that the NFT space is nowhere near as wild as it was last year. On a different panel, Diego Bernardo from Nansen said that it isn't all doom and gloom, despite the current economic climate. So even even now in this downturn where, you know, like projects like the Bored Apes have taken a huge haircut, I think the mutants are down 50 percent. 
um, you're still able to find um, some opportunities um, with, there's a project recently, it's a funny meme project called Goblin Town that's done pretty well. And uh, you can see like the smart money getting into that project uh, with our platform. Diego also explained why data is crucial for helping NFT collectors stay ahead of the game. Yeah, the opportunities uh, in the space, I think, are endless, regardless of whether we're in a bear market or not. And that's pretty much our role as well to, you know, surface these opportunities, uh, particularly in the NFT space. Like we have the ability to see like the brand new mints that are going on, whether, you know, how hot these mints are. So even if we're in deep bear territory, there's going to be some project, uh, you know, being born and probably having some interest in potential, uh, potentially be a good investing opportunity. Back in Molly Jane's panel, only one's founder and CEO, Leon Lee, had some good advice for people getting involved in NFTs for the first time. I think I would have two advice for any newcomers that want to start their own NFT collection or to serve their communities better. Uh, number one is I think it's important to sort of learn the current landscape of the cryptocurrency market for NFTs. And I think there's a big distinction between sort of the dream that we're all you know, looking forward to, which is NFTs representing some sort of ownership towards uh, a community, uh, an artist, and, you know, the whole decentralization and, you know, the whole aspect of that. But uh, there's also the reality right now, which is, I think, because of the hype generated in a very short period of time, there's a lot of projects coming out as, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, cash grabs, right? And, this is causing the NFT communities to become very transactional. Decrypt's Kate Irwin also brought us a brilliant discussion on how the entertainment sector is entering the metaverse. Her panelists said these virtual worlds will give everyone the chance to experience their favourite shows and events in one place. But the technology needs a little work before it reaches its full potential. Neeraj Roy from Hefty Entertainment revealed what his India-based metaverse brand is working on and explained that he comes from the land of Bollywood. Just say watching of a, uh, let's say there's a trailer of a movie and you're kind of experiencing that with your friends in the metaverse. Uh, what if you also had the opportunity to watch that trailer with the stars, the avatars of the stars? Paul Kaslin is an award-winning director who's created a crypto-focused entertainment company called Hello, and he shared his vision for the metaverse. I'm sure we're all heavily influenced by Ready Player One. I think that movie kind of kick-started the whole people falling in love with the metaverse and to kind of be your, the star of your own movie is kind of everyone's dream. And I think if we can find ways of of kind of giving these through lines and these storylines into the metaverses where you can go about your day and can participate in, in kind of a thriller or you can go on a game show. Uh, hello, we're working on um, a couple of game show ideas where you will be able to, to kind of feature live as part of a show and kind of earn real kind of crypto and NFTs as part of that. So I think it's kind of, in the, in the real world, we're kind of tied to our physical forms, but I think in the metaverse, you can go wherever you want and be whoever you want. So I feel like if, if Kate, you're a good example, you can be whoever you want. You could go and be a rock star or a superhero. And I think that is exciting for, I think, all of us. Is, our inner children speaks to that. And I think that's something that we all, I'm sure, would agree with, that we'd love to, I'd love to be a superhero for sure. 
The prospect of watching trailers with celebrities and starring in a Metaverse game show sounds intoxicating, doesn't it? But Paul warned that the industry might need to go back to basics first. Everyone's excited about the tech at the moment, but no one's actually making things that people want to go to the Metaverse for. There's no, yeah, there's no... There's no kind of big, we've spent our, our whole lives kind of in consuming media on television, on, on streaming platforms now. And the metaverse feel like everyone's just set up their tech and they're just waiting for the communities to populate it. But it's on us. It's on us to go and create and captivating entertainment, great movies. Like how amazing would it be if we all kind of like our community sent in scripts for movies they wanted to make and we got a movie made. And then not just you could watch that movie in the metaverse, but you could play that movie in the metaverse. And I feel like we're getting this the wrong way around. Everyone's running into buying land but no one knows what land, why they're buying land. No one knows why they're there. And I think we all need to unpick it and get back to basics of let's start making incredible entertainment that draws people into the metaverse, not building empty metaverses that people just wander around aimlessly all day and then eventually like turn it off. He says the metaverse can offer a vibrant alternative to the broken world of TV and movies where you need contacts to get ideas off the ground. Soon, people will be able to follow in Camila Russo's footsteps by cutting out the middleman and going to audiences directly. And in terms of big Hollywood studios or record labels getting involved, Paul had this prediction. I think also it's going to take one person to do it. Like obviously, in this industry at the moment, Snoop Dogg, everyone loves Snoop Dogg. Everything he does turns to gold. And I live in West Hollywood and I've got lots of kind of uh, entertainment industry friends and they're all looking in at kind of, okay, well, who's going to do this first? And I think once one celebrity or one filmmaker or one huge producer does this, the floodgates are going to open. And once it's good for one person, it's good enough for everyone. So, I mean, there's a lot of people, I'm sure you guys on this call will agree. There's a lot of people on the sidelines at the moment waiting to see what happens over the next year in crypto and, and Web3 and NFT to, to jump in. And then once the big boys are in here, I think it's going to be, that's when your mums, your dads, your aunties, your uncles are all going to come flooding in saying, how can I buy some, some Bitcoin and Ethereum and hopefully hello and the other coins open here. Well, that is it for today's Coin Market Recap, looking at all the highlights from the second and final day of our conference in the metaverse. You can keep up to date with all the latest crypto news and much more at coinmarketcap.com forward slash Alexandria. And make sure you subscribe to our daily newsletter if you'd like our roundup of the top stories sent straight to your inbox. I'm Connor Sefton. Thanks for listening. And our podcast will be back on June the 6th. Bye-bye for now.